Welcome to another episode of Fight the Burnout. Uh, today we have another special guest. Uh, he's doing some pretty amazing stuff similar to what uh, we do here. Uh, but Michael is an ex-police officer uh, from the U.S. Now runs a program called Resilient Minds uh, with a few others. And uh, I got referred to him by one of our other guests, uh, Dave Brez. And uh, so we, we have him here. Um, this is going to be a great episode. Uh, as always, I say take one little nugget out of this. You know, So get your pen and paper. Get ready. If you're driving in your car, just make sure you put your listening ears on. Also focus on driving, obviously. Uh, but... Um, just take one thing out of this and start working with it. Uh, I know there's going to be a lot of good little nuggets today because we've just already had a bit of a chat for about 10 minutes and oh my God. Yeah, it's going to be great. So, uh, Michael, as I always like to do, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us about who you are, a bit about your, your background and your career and how you got into doing, um, you know, resilient minds. Yeah, but first and foremost, and, and thank you for having me on, Chris, I really appreciate it. Uh, I am a brother. I'm a son. I'm a husband of two fur. I'm a husband, and I'm a father to two fur babies. My my little Wookie and Bella, and uh, just a productive member of society. My my story started as a as a child. Uh, I come from a uh, middle middle class family. Nothing nothing crazy. My parents both worked. Uh, my mom had cancer at a very young age and had to retire. And um, my dad had to work a couple of jobs. Uh, and one of the things that he did for us and they did for us was uh, was gave us a great childhood and a great, you know, a, a great life so that uh, we could be productive members. Me and my sister could be productive members of society. And uh, we both went to Catholic school our whole lives. And uh, upon upon graduation, uh, my parents were very worried about what I was going to be in life. They, they had no clue what I was going to be in life because I just wasn't the best student. And uh, I, I knew that. So uh, obviously I was going to a community college in uh, Mercer County, which is uh, Mercer County is one of the counties here in New Jersey. And uh, I was going there for fire science because everybody loves firemen. So I wanted to be, I wanted to be a fireman. I was a volunteer fireman since I, I was a junior fireman at uh, West Trenton. And with that being said, it, you know, I, I got to meet a lot of people in the police force and, and so forth going to the calls. And uh, I was uh, I was given an application by one of the one of my neighbors. I'll never forget it. Uh, Mr. Heenan, I, I went to school with his daughter and uh, he dropped an application off. He goes, you, you're going to be a police officer. And uh, I, uh, I filled out the application and uh, took the test. And I'll never forget. I went and took the I went to took the exam and. Uh, as I finished, I, I was like, man, I thought that was, I, I thought I really did really well on it, but I, I was still unsure. I was 18. I didn't know what was happening at that time. And uh, with that being said, I was, uh, I, I was, I was lucky enough to come out in probably the, the top five, which was, was really cool. I think it was the top seven. And uh, I think that year, a bunch of people had taken the test and uh, it just kind of propelled my my life and uh it was uh, it was a great career path and uh, i came on when i was 19 years old and go through go through that as a 19 year old it's it's a lot different chris and and i, I say that because i never held a gun before i never you know i never looked at a target before i never i wasn't a hunter I, you know i didn't do any of that stuff i, I kind of just was a a normal kid played sports and enjoyed enjoyed life and uh now all this stuff was was kind of coming around me so it it's 
that's that's where kind of everything started there. And uh, I wanted to make sure that I, I did all the right things. And uh, I'll never forget when I went into the police academy, one of my one of my experiences, uh, I never shot, never shooting a gun before. I, I remember being at the firing range and, and couldn't hit the target. <laughs> and not being able to hit the target was okay, what happens then if you don't hit the target you don't have a job. And uh, <laughs> needless to say with that, uh, I, I was handed on the last day that I had to go for my qualifying round. I was handed the job finder and uh, <laughs> I'll never forget it. I, I was handed that and uh, told, you know, figured I was, I was going to go have to find another job at 18 years old. But uh, more importantly, I, uh, I hit that target. And I, I scored and, and I was uh, I was able to propel my career. But then, you know, obviously you get back into the station and that back then it was, you know, you were to be seen and not heard back in the police department. Yeah. And uh, you were you were just so for the first five years, I just didn't say anything. But uh, I, I did enough in, in my career to have memes all over the place and you know have have all kinds of uh posters hanging up when you come in the back door and all that other good yep. stuff. But uh, more importantly, you learn, you live and you learn from a lot of that stuff. And uh, as, lo as long as nobody got hurt, yeah, that was, that was always, that was always, we always wanted to go home at nighttime, but um, you, you seen things and you did things in the job that uh, not the average person wouldn't do or wouldn't see. Yeah. So that's where, you know, all the trauma starts and, and, you know, obviously, Trauma does not have an egg timer. So no. when, you, when you think about it, <laughs> trauma could start back in your elementary years and it, it can propel all the way up to you seeing something that triggers you on the job or it triggers you as, as you're going through life. So you're taking all these little things and, and you're, you're realizing them at a very young age that um, this is not normal. So our, our friends at Acadia Healthcare, and, and they're our wraparound service because Acadia Healthcare is, is, is one of the largest mental and behavioral health facilities in the world. Bill Mazur and Joe Collins are, are phenomenal, and they're also facilitators with us. But uh, they tell us that, you know, we average anywhere between uh, three and five traumatic events a month. Yep. You know, times that by you know, the years of service times that by every month that, that you're working. So these traumatic events just kind of, you know, just kind of layer and layer and layer to something little happens and then you just kind of lose it, yep. that type of thing. But, uh, you know, that's all part of the journey within, within the police department. Then the, the pivotal year for me was, I think, year 12. I had just gotten engaged and um, it didn't work out and I was... I had my house rented out and I was sleeping on couches for a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I had a, had a, had a lot going on and then, uh, riding down the street, I'll never forget it. A memo comes out that, um, one of the newer officers was going back to the detective bureau and um, it was a position that I had put in for, and, uh, I'll never forget it. And, uh, that was, that's when, that's when I had my transformation. And it, I realized right then and there, it wasn't what he did right. It, it's what I wasn't doing right. Yeah. So I had to look, I had to, I had to do a lot of self-reflecting at that point. And, and that was the point that really kind of pivoted my whole career and my whole life at that point. And re realizing then I saw an upward trajectory of things once I changed my mindset.
Yeah, no, it's it's so important. I'm glad you brought, you know I'm glad you brought that up, and we're going to talk a lot about it today. I know that. Um, but mindset, you know, mindset's everything, and also I love the fact that you you know you you accepted the fact that hey, it's what am I doing? What am I not doing that I that I need to change? Sure. Not 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 because I I feel so many first responders and law enforcement we all get wound up in the fact that hey no I'm great I'm awesome yeah I, I, what there's nothing wrong with me. Um, there's nothing going on with me. Um, whereas, you know, but we can see in everybody else, all the things that are going wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh yeah. But, That's why we become cops because we, yeah, no, yeah I mean, but it is, I mean, it is, it is in a way it's a good thing, but, uh, but it's also the fact of, we've got to look within ourselves and go, okay, well, what part do I have to play in this? Because mm-hmm. we all have a part, no matter whether you're a first responder or, you know, a civilian, a business person, a, a mother, a father, whatever it is, what part did I have to play in this? You know, a relationship breakup. What part did I have to play in this? Um, and and so I think I think that's it's so important that we you know that we do bring that up because in order to grow, you have to recognize your faults. Mm, that's <laughs> <awesome>. <laughs> it's very difficult sometimes. I even struggle. You know, those those little things you talked about. You know, things that start when we're when we're kids and you know in elementary school and that and or even before. Um, and then they start to, you know, compound in. And we had a conversation a little bit about this before. Uh, they all start to spark things. I was, I'm intrigued to know, get your thinking, which we'll go into kind of what you're doing in that now. But what's your thinking on um, past traumas, so youth traumas, or youth experiences, and, you know, how our mind interprets things when we're kids, uh, how that affects the um, the likelihood of, you know, severe suffering from PTSD? Well, like I said, we said, we said before, there is no egg trauma on trauma trauma. So if you experience something, and uh, one of the things that we have brought into resiliency in the resilient minds is acute childhood experiences with trauma, and uh, ACEs our ACEs program. So we want to we always want to look back at what goes on in the elementary years of our lives to see how that's going to bubble up in the later parts of our lives. Because again, if we don't deal with the most inner part, if we don't dig down deep, we're we're just only, we're just only settling and we're only fixing the stuff that keeps on bubbling up, but we're not digging down deep into the trauma. And that's where, you know, ACEs comes in and handle with care type of thing comes in and we, and we really dig deep down and and find out what that trauma is. So being able to dig down deep and get in there and, and really try to root out that, that is, that's key. That's a key component because that's going to make not only a healthier, uh, healthier police officer, it's going to make a healthier professional. It's going to make a healthier person in in their home life. It's going to make a healthier uh, person in, you know, it's going to, it's kind of, going to be linear right in, into your from your childhood all the way up to being a successful adult yeah no, no i think i call it pulling the weed out at the roots <laughs> you know you pull the weed out the roots the root can't grow you know it can't it, the whole flow on effect completely changes so no it's, it's it's awesome to see that you guys have found that found that same thing uh so okay so you were you you were policing for 25 years uh what are some of the highs of your career let's talk about those first Oh, wow. A lot of highs. It it was a great job. And and I, uh, I I started, I started in 1994. Obviously, there's a lot of lows as well. Uh, But one one of the most highs was, uh, was being able to uh, 
pull a family out of a car, uh, mm. uh, being able to save that and, and getting the Medal of Honor and National Police Officer of, of the Month uh, in D.C. Wow. at the Law Enforcement Memorial. That was uh, quite an honor. And I, I did that with two of my colleagues, uh, Fred Dow and, and Jeff Caldwell at that time. And um, just, it, it, you know, the Carnegie Medal of Honor and being able to, just being able to help people every day. That's, that's what it's all about. If, if we're not here for that purpose, then uh, I, I think we might be wasting our time a little bit. And uh, I, I really do believe it's all about, it's all about being able to help one another as much as we possibly can to, to, to get out of that dark hole, wherever yeah. that may be. Yeah, no, definitely. So um, obviously I take it there was some sort of uh, not so good times within the place, as you said, the, the, a lot of lows as well. Um, sure. Is there any specific ones that bounce out to you that you're like, wow, I learned a lot from that? Because obviously, as we've talked about already, you, you, you got you learn from these. Um, but yeah. what were some of the low ones? Uh, just just death in general. I, I, you know, you see, you've seen so much death. You've seen so many bad things. And, and one of the things, you know, obviously, it can't, it, you can never get out is, is some of the, the sexual assaults and the child sexual assaults. And, you know, those things that just kind of compound and compound and compound during your career. And uh, just seeing, you know, child, child, seeing child death and, and, and seeing bad car accidents and uh, pulling up the, you know, then car accidents, knowing that there's somebody's loved ones in there. And uh, our minds are like video recorders. You can stop them. You can play them. You can rewind them. They either, they're just, just that way, Chris, it's just incredible because sometimes it's just very hard to compartmentalize everything, but the ones that just bubble up, would you know just I had just gotten done a softball game and played softball against the guy and you know three hours later after I'm on the shift you know he drops dead of a heart attack that that really had a profound effect on me and uh, it's just it, it was just one of them things he was a young young guy he was my age and uh, you know I just couldn't understand that at the time and I didn't understand why but you know obviously you never ask why you just figure out, okay, it's, you never get to be able to talk about that because if you talked about it in the few, if you talked about it back then, you were, you were definitely somebody who was weak and somebody who was looked down upon and uh, somebody who really didn't understand what was going on and, and you'd be looked down upon by your colleagues, especially the older officers. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's still still there still is some of that. Um, the more I talk to people, the more I feel it's it's slowly working. But it's a whole culture. It's a, you're trying to change a hundred year old culture, you know, 200 year <laughs> culture. It, uh, it doesn't change overnight. Um, but it's why you're doing what you're doing. It's why I'm doing what I'm doing is so that we, we can shift it. So at what stage did you start um, working on the Resilient Minds project? That's, that's crazy. Cause, uh, it just, that wasn't something that had just popped up. I, um, I retired after 25 years. And, uh, one of the things that, uh, my wife and I have an advertising and marketing business, I have, um, some real estate that we own. So we own a bunch of rental properties, investment properties. And, uh, I, I did a lot of, of that stuff. So I really retired. That was what I was going to do was run my business. And then, uh, New Jersey, I, I had two officers or I had a bunch of officers that had committed suicide. 
but one was my you know close friend i was in his wedding he was in my wedding and um yeah it was uh it was a rough one and um he he took the department shotgun and uh did what he needed to do and that was that was it and uh that one really stung because uh never thought in a million years that he was he was that far down that rabbit hole so with that, it really kind of changed the complexity of things. And then it got the conversation started in New Jersey. And New Jersey is the only state right now in America that has a 16-hour resiliency program that every law enforcement officer has to go through wow. as part of their mandates, as part of their training. So that was kind of really, really what kind of propelled it. And then uh, the prosecutor who was the lead law enforcement officer for the county had come to me and said, listen, he goes, uh, you know, I'm getting this program off. Everybody, all, all the counties have to do it. And uh, I, uh, I went on as the chief resiliency officer in, in Mercer County. And um, I owe a lot to, to, to uh, the prosecutor, uh, Angelo Onofre. And uh, he basically uh, brought me in and I, I started the program and everything like that. And got to meet a bunch of people all around and uh, got my network uh, of people to, you know, try to help as many people as we could. And then COVID hit and uh, it's kind of, you know, my first day home, I was told to stay home, you know, and we were all told to stay home because it was a different world. It was, just, I, I remember having that conversation with two, two police officers that I talked to for probably over six and a half hours that day. Wow. So I, I, I remember sitting at my table and I had my head in my hands and I'm like, I got to do something. So I said to myself, you know, hey, listen, let me start calling some people. I wanted to start a webcast series. And yeah. um, I, I knew resiliency was the buzzword, was the keyword. So resilient minds was what, you know, what we were talking about, my wife and I. And at the kitchen table, she's like, well, we're hearing all this stuff about people on the front lines. And front lines had a whole new on the front lines had a whole new connotation it, it kind of had a swing of police fire uh ems doctors uh postal workers amazon you know, drivers it was kind of like okay we're gonna make this resilient minds on the front lines so mm -hmm. we started this webcast series uh you know that was a long story in itself that to get it off but in, in about 30 days we had our first pilot and our first uh our, our first teaser and uh 34 webcasts later we hit 76 countries and all 50 states in america which was unbelievable and uh, we were getting emails and, and all that from all over the country and uh we we decided we needed to do more so we talked about it and i got together with uh, i'll never forget the conversation it was somewhere in august of that year and i talked to uh, retired colonel randy rickard yeah. and um, he was one of my one of our our lead facilitators i said you know what can we get a curric curriculum together with this and um he's like yeah we'll get you know we could do that obviously we'll take a look at everything everything so we put together a team not promising anything you know just saying hey listen let's let's put this together and and, and see where it goes and um uh, it, it just, it just kind of propelled from there. And, uh, I'll never forget, you know, we had that first, 
that first look at it, it was like, wow, wow, this is really cool. This, and we changed a lot of things and, and we've seen a lot of things a little bit differently. And then we got all the subject matter experts together in a room basically and, and looked at it and said, how about this? And how about this? So we started changing things out and, and tweaking things. And then we did a pilot in New Jersey. We did a pilot down in, in Texas and uh, we were getting the same results. You know, this is, this is great. We need more, we need more, we need more. So with that, um, I, I, I called up a, a friend who was retiring from the state of New Jersey as the chief resiliency officer and the deputy attorney general of New Jersey, Rob Seafield. And I said, listen, this is what I'm thinking. I said, I'm, I'm, you know, I talked to my wife. I'm willing to put our money up. Um, I, I didn't go to any investors. I didn't go to anybody. And um, I just kind of went and I said, this is what we need to do to help as many people as possible. Yeah. And uh, he jumped right aboard. And uh, he's our he's one of our full time employees now, and uh, he kind of handles the day to day operations with you know policy and making sure that everything's running the way it should, and making sure that you know because we started as a nonprofit, but yeah. now we're getting a lot bigger, so we're we're trying to partner. We just kind of brought it with a for profit company, and uh, we're kind of marrying them two up right now because we're looking at the virtual side of things and uh, we're just building and building and building from there. So now it's, it's gone. Uh, it, it's gone pretty much. We broadened it out and now we're building it up. And what I mean by that is the curriculum doesn't change. Yeah. The only thing that changes, Chris, is, is our facilitators. Because yeah. what we do is we create those me too moments. And those me too moments are the facilitator is a sales associate, whether the facilitator is a um, airline pilot or an, whatever it is, they're the ones that can talk the language of the group that we're facilitating to. Yeah. So now what we're doing is we're able to, we're able to hit on that language because when you change language, you change culture. And when you change culture, that's where you're going to see the biggest difference in everything. Yeah. So we that's what we were seeing. Our facilitators were coming through. And uh, now we have a bona fide three tier uh, facilitator line that that we can do multiple trainings across the country in multiple different places. So we're really proud of that. And we got 34 more trainers in, in the pipeline and we're starting another tier one uh, training coming up in in March. And I would love to invite you or your team to any of our trainings to see what oh, it looks awesome. like. And, you know, that's, that's, that's what it's all about. It's, it's making sure that we're able to, to get to the people who need that, who need that hand and, and jumping in that hole with them to help them out because they know the way. Yeah, that's, it's, it's so true. And it's so amazing what you guys have done. And it sounds like pretty quickly as well, just in the last <laughs> couple of years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we went, uh, we piloted this uh, and uh, we went live with it in June of last year. So over that time period, wow. it was boom, 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 boom. And uh, it, it, things just happened so quickly. Now, you know, we're in, we're, we're, we have a really strong presence in Chicago and, uh, you know, in the Georgia area, a lot of our facilitators are going down there and uh, we've done a lot in Texas. And this kind of resonates with every, with every profession that's out there. It's just not law enforcement whether it's ER docs, whether it's nurses, whether whatever it may be, corporate America, that's yeah. what people need is mental wellness. Yeah. You can give everybody the best tools in the world. You can give them the best computers. You can give them the best uh, technology. But if you don't have that person 
that is inputting that information at a high level and, and working within that within that mindset, then really, truly, you're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah, yeah. I um one of my things, which um you'll hear about a little bit at some stage, is well now um is I run a program that's called Productive AF. So productive as fuck. Uh, and it's the same thing. It's taking those same kind of things. If you're not there mentally completely yourself, then how can you actually output anything at all? Because your mind is just in the, in the way of yourself all the time. And then that's how you, you become more productive. That's how then you, who you work for, or your business can become more productive. That's how you as a police officer can be more, become more productive and actually impact more lives. Um, Think about it this way, Chris. When you go on an airplane, what's the first thing that they tell you? Put the your mask on yourself and your seatbelt. You put, <laughs> put your mask on first before you can help anybody else. Exactly, exactly. It's it's, it's the most different. overused analogy, but it's the most simple analogy. It is it's so true. If you don't put it on yourself, <laughs> and I say this all the time as well, I'm like, is if you don't put it on yourself and you try to put it on somebody else, yeah, you'll probably get it on somebody else. But by the time you get yours on, either you're gonna be dead. Yeah. Or you're going to be so weak by the time you get it on, it takes you 10 times as long to recover. So why not put it on yourself first? By the time you put the other one on somebody else, they'll probably have it half on and it's you're there anyways. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I like that cliche, but it's definitely it's definitely used a lot. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely like it as well. So what are some of the key things that you guys that you guys, you know, teach? So because I'm all about giving people some tools and that, you know, what are some what are like, you know, the top three things that you would say are the most impactful um, for the front lines, um, when it comes to their mindset. I really do believe Dr. Uh, Dr. Kate Tumblety Felice does an unbelievable job with the resilient body. And, uh, she talks about neuroplasticity and how the neurons in the brain, how we can make new neuropathways and how we can develop more ha better habits to be able to do things that when we talk about insanity, we talk about doing the same things over and over again, but when you burn them new neuropathways in your brain, it gives you some, some better ways of doing things. And, and that's, she does an unbelievable job. So I, I gotta, I gotta hand it off to her that she created that lesson from, you know, that's her lesson that she uh, started that from the beginning. So kudos to her and, and people really resonate with that. And um, I, I think uh, obviously meditation and, and yoga, a lot of people use that. Uh, we, like, um, we like strengths and goals, goal setting. Talk about goals. If you, if you don't have goals, if you don't have meaning, if you don't have purpose, if you don't have accomplishment, what really do you have in there? So we hit on that pretty hard. We hit on the spirituality component, but it's the spirituality meaning of what is your center in your life? What is your why? What is your purpose? And uh, that's a, another big component. We talk about board of directors in our lives. Board of directors can be good and they can be bad. You know, the, the, the bad ones don't get a vote in your, in your life. And, and that's, that's, that's really important to know, you know, how, who do I want to be like, who, who can I call in a time of need and all that other stuff. So it, it's really important to understand that. And I think ABC, you know, just something as quickly as ABC, you know, activating the, you know, the brain and, and consequences. Um, that's only 1%. The, the problem is only 1% of, uh, of the issue. The other 99 is how you're going to handle it. So we, <laughs> we added the D&E plus D&E on it. And uh, it's kind of just disputing what, what we believe, confirmation bias. 
So acceptance, uh, and, and, and that's really, really important in, in growth is being able to accept the past, but be able to move to the future, being able to drive your car down the street, looking through your re- front mirror rather than your rear view mirror. Because yeah. if you're looking there, you're just going to crash every time. Yeah. So that's really, really a key component. And, and I mean, we, we've really we really hit it hard on, on those. So they're, they're just kind of uh, just a, a smidgen of what you'll receive in, in that, in, in that class. So, and, and it gives people the tools because tools don't work for everybody. Mm. I, I can, I can sit here and talk about meditation or I can talk about yoga that may not work for a lot of people. But yeah. if I say, Hey, listen, I need you to learn to be able to stop yourself from spiraling down I need you to jump over from the pot from the negative to the positive spiral back up and then you know to really separate yourself taking somebody with you and understanding how to catch yourself catching yourself yeah so you know catch yourself catching yourself that's a cliche we use all the time it's very easy to understand it you know you're spiraling down but what is some of the tools that i can use to be able to spot stop myself first yeah. and then get back on the upward spiral and then take somebody else with us yeah it's 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 so true we get we get caught especially i feel as as law enforcement or frontline officers but especially you know law enforcement i feel i actually personally in my personal opinion and be interested to know yours is that law enforcement have it probably some of the hardest you know i've got family members that are ex-military and that and i go man they had it hard you know and that and and they did but I also feel it's somewhat of a removed situation. So, you know, they, they have to re rebring themselves back into society from being overseas. Whereas police officers, we're in it for 25 years, for 30 years, for 10 years, for five years, whatever you're in, you're in it and living it every single day. And so it never actually has a point where you can actually go, you know, it's not easy. You can do it, but it, it's very difficult to go. That's work. And this is home. Mm-hmm. There's no big, anchoring of a change unless you create one yeah Um, what are your thoughts (laughs) raising your self-awareness so that you can self-manage yeah that's that's it in a nutshell that's what we're talking about you got to be aware of it and then you got to be able to manage it how can you do that and that's that goes back to pulling the weeds yep we we have to be able to know that okay we have a problem how do we get there what are we we can sit here and, and blame the problem but what is that going to solve yeah we're solution based you got to have solutions just the same same in business I, you told me okay we have a problem well what are three things that are a remedy that we can get to the solution yeah. we can't talk about the problem no more we have to work towards this and then we'll, we'll figure it out and and that's really raising your self-awareness and when you know what's going on and you can stop yourself from going on, that just goes back to what we talked about is you change your mindset, you change everything in your life. It yep. is the most simplistic way that I can say it, but it is the hardest way to perform. <laughs> it is. It's, it's difficult. And, you know, I'll, I'll bring some awareness to that. You know, we, we all, you know, and we make it sound fairly easy, but, it is, you know, it, it can be very difficult to catch yourself sometimes and that's where having all these tools and i love what you guys are doing because having all these tools 
uh, will really, they can really help you catch yourself. And sometimes, you know, you don't, you kind of catch yourself and you fall off again, but then you use different tools. Um, mm -hmm. But it is, it's so important to have these tools so that we can realize, we can fall, we can fall back on them. Because once you really concrete them in, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I've figured out, what I've, you know, you know, teach is that once you learn them, you can't unlearn them. <laughs> And we've learned all this stuff in the kindergarten. Yeah, we go from, you know, we have the three parts of the brain. We have the lizard, we have the puppy and we have the frontal cortex. Yeah. And when it goes from back here to up here, you, you want to say it's about 400 million bits of information all the way to get up here. to it's about 40 bits of information. So yeah. somewhere in here is it gets lost in translation. So when you burn them, new neuropath, neuroplasticity and new neural pathways, it just really kind of changes everything. And that's where you change your mindset, you change your life. Yeah, you do, you do. And I can, and I can vouch for that. So we talked a little bit before, you know, you talked, you, you brought it up before, you know, having that why as well. And as listeners, anybody who's been listening for me a while, I'm a huge why guy. Like I believe everything stems from your why. You concrete in your why and you, you live from it, you'll have a happy life regardless of everything else that's going on because it does, it shifts that focus, it shifts everything, but you also have something that, that internal, like you said, that internal driver um, because you're, 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 you're running from within. Then there's the side of, you know, making sure that you're living on the positive side of it. But we talked about before we started, you know, started the episode around, you know, this. And I, as I said, my why is to create less pain for myself and others uh, to create the best version of ourselves. That's my why statement. I live by it mm -hmm. um, literally consistently. And uh, you know, I've got a philosophy of a pyramid system where you look after yourself first, then your relationship, then your kids, then family, then everybody else. And then work. Work is the very last because it's otherwise work will never love you chris work will never love you no it won't <laughs> uh, when you run your own thing it's a little bit harder it's a little bit harder to, to kind of distinguish that because your thing you know you should your work should fill you up so you know it's it's also yeah. you know having that uh which a lot of people struggle to find but when you find your why you can find that so much easier your what kind of can fall into place as simon Sinek says um so what would you say michael your why is facilitating people and self-discovery so they can flourish. I love it. Where'd that come from? Where'd it start? I, you know, I, I, I gotta say that Colonel Rickert, he said that in one of the classes and uh, he's not, he's one of our curriculum directors and uh, he, he said that to me and uh, he said that to our class and I'll never forget that. And that's, that's basically, that's when all the light bulbs went off in my head right then and there, nice. facilitating people and self-discovery so they can flourish. That's what it's all about right there. Yeah. My life. That's my why. Yeah. All right, cool. Can I challenge you on something? Sure can. Um, so I believe that obviously we have the why and has and is like when I create a why statement with somebody, I make sure that it's served all the time for themselves and that. And it sounds like you have yours in your mind and in the way that it does. Uh, but also that it comes from when we're a child. Like it actually stems from then and it's, it's seeded then and then, you know, filters up through. When would you say that your seed was planted when you were young? Do you have wow. any experience? I, I remember, I remember going through some incidents in school where bullying and, and name calling and um, certain events that happened in, in life uh, where, you know, 
maybe you were made fun of because of your appearance or the clothes that you wore or, or anything like that. So really and truly I, I seen it and I was on the, the I was on the um, receiving end of some of that sometimes, not all the time, but I, I seen it by, I, I tried to always intermix with the, what you thought were the cool people and, and yeah. the people that were, you know, that weren't the cool people at the time, if you can think about that. So I always tried to position myself and always think about how that person was feeling. Mm. And I would always position myself and say, Hey, listen, I would always want to be friends with that person. And how, how can I help that person as a young individual? And, and that's where I think my faith and my center really came from because yeah. everything revolved around, you know, it, it revolved around God for me and, and my faith. So that's where I really, I really challenged myself to, to be the best, the best form of me that I can possibly be. And I remember that in the first grade when, 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 when this young man was getting picked on and, and I, yeah, I just basically said, come on with me and we'll go have some, you know, and he, he became one of my very good friends. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can, I can, I can see it. You know, as you said, you facilitate, you know, things, uh, is the, is, is your wife said, you know, even back then you were already facilitating and that, um, and, and you can see, and, you know, for so many, it's awesome to see that you have so many, they don't. And so it's, 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 they don't know what their why is. And so they're going through and they're like, well, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Uh, and I, I've, um, you know, what are your thoughts on actually having them? You know, I know you mentioned already earlier on around that why, but what are your thoughts on actually recognizing like that, that where it comes from, how it's strewn through your life, how it's actually driven you in that positive way? What are your thoughts on that? I, I, I think that's great. I mean, I, I always look at, I, I always want to know, I want to better myself constantly. I, I self-educate and read a lot and understand articles, whatever it may be. And I, I know our team is constantly emailing or texting each other different articles to take a look at and, and understand to really dig deep down into why we're doing what we're doing. And, and that's the most important part. And a lot of people don't have that purpose or don't have that why, but when they figure it out, that's it's life changing. It's game changing. And, and that's where we really thrive. I, I believe as a family at resilient minds, because when our facilitators come through, when our people come through, we're a family and, and that's first and foremost, everybody knows that. And, and they can call upon anybody throughout the country and, and get whatever they need throughout the country. We have three of our people writing books right now on our team and uh, we're constantly bouncing things off of, off of each other. And uh, it, it's, it's just great stuff because now that connectivity, when we're connecting, we're really firing on all levels. And that's what really is going to be the game changer right there. Because when we're firing on all levels, it, there is no time for the negativity. But again, we still go down that rabbit hole, but we have to make sure that we can stop ourselves. Yeah. And sometimes actually having that negative, you know, we make it sound like you don't want that negative, but having that negative, like you just said, having it and then catching yourself, you actually can catch and better yourself. You know, sure. we can't have the yang without the yang. You can't have the negative. You can't have the positive without the negative. So in turn, the negative actually can fuel more positivity. Oh, without a doubt. Look at it that way. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that I, I work on as a coach too, because 
I, I, I work on helping people build their real estate portfolio, portfolio in, in building and creating wealth through that. I have a team that we have a whole financial component to resilient minds as well, because I believe that that is so, so very important. We have a micro and a macro, which is a 101 and a 202. So 101 is making sure that you're, you're handling everything in the beginning so that you have literacy of finances and then bringing it through to say, okay, I have all this stuff. Now, how do I get to the next level? How do I get to that financial freedom? How do I get to be able to utilize this stuff and be able to utilize it at a high level throughout my life? And it's one word. Mm. It's one word and it's action. If yep. we don't take action in our lives, then nothing else is going to propel us. It's, you know, we can hope that we win the lottery all the time, but if we don't win the lottery, we're just, it's just a, it's just a hope. It's, it's funny you, you say about action, you know, so many people are like, oh, you know, if I won lotto, I do this and I do that, but they actually never buy a lotto ticket. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, so, so it's, a, it's that same philosophy, you know, if you want to, if you want to win a lotto, buy a lotto ticket. If you want to make a difference in your life, take action, you know, yeah. do something exactly. towards that, towards that. Um, nah, I love it. So, um, as always, Michael, I like to, you know, I like to, you know, promote what, what it is that you're here. That's why I, you know, invited you on. Um, how do people get in touch with you? We'll put the links and stuff in the, in the description below, but how do people get in touch with you in case they're just listening? I, I believe just by our website, just check us out. www.resilientminds.us. It's resilientminds.us. Uh, if you Google us, it'll probably be one of the first ones that pop up there uh, on the, on the URL. And then, um, Obviously, if you, if you want to get in touch with me, it's M Pellegrino, uh, my M Pellegrino, P-E-L-L-E-G-R-I-N-O at resilientminds.us. And that comes right to me. And uh, I'll be more than glad to, to help anybody and, and be able to have that conversation. And I know that we're getting calls all over the all over the country now to start bringing this to not only law enforcement, but to, to corporate America as well. It, 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 there, there is something, and, and I know that right now, especially in the uh, insurance world, this has become very popular. And yeah. um, insurance companies feel that, you know, hey, listen, if we can get to somebody before it costs us all this money on the back end, that's, that's the most important part. But, you know, we have, we, we have that whole stream of, of things that are going on and that whole stream of people. We, we wanted, we seen them fall over the waterfall, but we wanted to swim up the waterfall and swim down the stream to find them before they found us. But if they, if they fall overboard, we have uh, Acadia Healthcare and Joe Collins and Bill Mazur are our country. You know, they, 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 Joe Collins is on the West, uh, West, West coast and Bill Mazur's on the East coast. And uh, they're very easy to get a hold of as well through Acadia Healthcare. And that's, um, that's basically, I know I have that website as well, uh, helping the number one ST responder, responders. So it's helping one ST responders.com. And that's, that's a, that, that's, that is our wraparound service because they, those two guys handle everything on the, um, on, on that end of things. And it's important to have culturally competent people on the back end so that when things go awry, 
uh, you know, cause we're not in the, the group therapy. That's not what we do. We teach people resiliency skills. So we act in the, the, the pre-boom, we call it the, yeah. the pre pre-event. And, yeah. um, but we know that people are along that stream and, um, if they're overboard or they're along that stream pretty far, we have the resources in place with, uh, with Acadia healthcare to really be part of, uh, part of something great. No, that's, that's awesome. I love the fact that you guys have, you know, a multi-tier kind of system where you can kind of help out in multiple different ways. It's, it's amazing to hear. Um, so, uh, Michael, last question I'd like to ask, uh, is what would you say your top tip to self-happiness is? Top tip to self-happiness is self-care, making sure that you have the time because two things that you can't buy in this world is time and health. Yeah. And being able to accomplish them two things. Because when you have the time, we always say that we should do this, that we should do that. We should do this. We should lose weight. We should be a millionaire. We should, we should, we should. You know what happens when we should? We should all over ourselves. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I've heard yeah. that one before. It's a good one. It is a good yeah, one. That's, but, and it's that's true. Yeah, that's that's totally Tony Robbins and uh, he being my mentor and I'm certified through John Maxwell as a, a life coach and a motivational speaker. So I, yeah. I, I give them both shout outs. Uh, Les Brown, I, I, I read a lot of stuff with him and, you know, being able to, you know, Eric Thomas. So being I'm just becoming in the NSA now. So I'm getting in the National Speakers Association. And oh, nice. that's 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 my goal is to be able to help people and you know, just put their bags down so they don't have to carry them around. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, it's so true and so amazing. And yeah, as, as listeners will know, if they follow for a while, I'm a huge Tony Robbins fan as well. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he, I literally, yeah. One of his seminars changed my life 180 degrees, like literally just shifted me after I went in there not being able to walk into group like crowds and stuff with anxiety and depression and <laughs> still had streams of that and walked out going, I'm going to use this stuff and I'm going to make a difference in this world. That's, <laughs> that's, that's what exactly I'm going to do. Yeah. And it's exactly what both of us do now. Um, yeah. So no, I love that, Michael. Well, thanks so much. Um, any last words from you before we kind of wrap up? Yeah, just, um, I, I just want to say if you're feeling, if you're feeling a certain way, I, I always say uh, you can't be the key to every door. But if you could be the WD-40 just to loosen that door up a little bit and just get that little crack and just get to help somebody and, and see the light, you know, that that's the most important part. I, I just saw this morning, I believe we're at 22 suicides in, 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 in the country now, police suicides. And uh, I, I just want people to know that there's so many resources out there. And, and I know my phone is, is on all the time and I, I would love to be that resource and love to be able to, to be that, be that little bit of light that, uh, that, that opens that door for somebody to get the help that they need. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. And yes, definitely reach out to Michael if you are, if you are struggling. Um, as we always say here, take one little nugget from this. You know, there's a multiple different nuggets in there. There's multiple different learning things. Uh, so just grab one and, and it's going to make a difference. And then take it and teach it to somebody else. Give it to somebody else as well. Because then you start to make that flow on effect. Um, and it makes a huge difference. And you learn by teaching. Uh, so uh, 
thank you again, Michael, for being here. I appreciate it. Uh, for those that are listening, it's resilientmind.us. Uh, go have a look. Um, they'll be more than happy to reach out to you. Reach out to them. Reach out to Michael. Uh, and also, you know, we can help out as well. Uh, you know, we have uh, some programs that are around creating productivity in your life, similar to resilience. If you're resilient, you can create productivity. You, as we've talked about, you can do so much. Uh, so, or if you just need a helping hand or you want some more information, send us an email at team at createfromy.com. That's team at createfromy.com. Uh, and we will help you, one, find that why so you have an internal driving purpose, but two, also to um, facilitate however we can. Uh, again, Michael, thanks so much for being here. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Make sure you like, subscribe, do all those fun things. And until next time, we love you all. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Thank you, Chris.